Well, I am back and we are back. And this is the first recorded interview of so-called 2022. 2022. <laughs> and the sun is shining and everyone's a little fuzzy, um, bleary-eyed coming out of the cave of, of deep winter. And I just want to say hello to everyone again. Welcome to Underworld Party and welcome to my guest, David Goldstein. David, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks. It's I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, we've been, you know, sort of in contact for a while. And um, this is going to be our first sort of like deeper conversation. And uh, I'm very interested in sort of like your path and your current edge um, of what you're sort of offering in the world and just, you know, I don't know, take as long as you'd like, but give me, give and give the, the listeners a, like a 60 second, like, this is who I am and this is what I do, knowing that that's impossible. <laughs> okay, so this is who I am, this is what I do. Um, I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 58 years ago and change. Um, I grew up city smart, um, kind of, you know, always on top of things, kind of dude. Um, I learned like almost everybody else around me to um, try to know the right answers um, at all times and represent myself as such. <laughs> um, somewhere along the way, uh, I began to suspect that this uh, manner of approach um wasn't maybe the most you know inviting of of well-being um for myself and for the whole kind of the whole schmear so um that's been a process of um of kind of coming up against myself coming up against all the ways i was trained and conditioned and starting to wonder well then what else might be invited. Um, how else might I kind of um, hold my stance in the world if it isn't this way that I've been raised and this way that I see almost everywhere around me? Mm -hmm. so that's that's <laughs> an opening kernel, maybe. Something that's an like opening, that. for sure. That's an opening kernel. And um, what would you what would you sort of say your art is currently? Like what art form are you, if, if you had to like give it a sort of a name or a phrase, mm -hmm. what, what is that currently for you? Yeah, well, the specific activity I'm involved in um, right now over the last few months is to be um, inviting others to gather in grief practice groups. That's what I'm calling them, grief practice groups. We made our first group, which starts off with a, at this point an eight week commitment once a week on Zoom, we completed that, and that group is now going on to be a, uh, a graduate group of sort, where we're going to meet once a month in an ongoing fashion. And two new groups are going to be beginning in a couple weeks, um, where uh, there's that eight-week, once-a-week commitment, an hour and a half, and we get together on Zoom, and um, we practice grief, which, of course, not only do most people have no idea what that really means? I don't have much of an idea of that really means, but that's the, that's, that, that's the best I could come up with um, right now. Good. And um, 
So this is interesting because we all have been variously conditioned to have an automatic narrative around that word, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone's got an idea or multiple competing ideas, or perhaps sometimes multiple complementary ideas, you know, in the best case scenario of this narrative of this word that we call grief in this culture. right? So we have to kind of bear down into the context that we're in a little bit, but I'm, I've gone through personally a cycle or a crucible where I was grief stricken, like obviously grief stricken, unrepressedly so for about like two years, which is to say crying at trees spontaneously and being like, what the fuck is going on? Okay. So like I had this experience for two years where it was like all the repressed grief of like my childhood and my ancestors and all of this stuff that was sort of in a little zip drive in my nervous system, you know, a little zip file kind of unzipped itself and sort of came out over the course of two years. And then I have had the experience where I would have answered this question about what I thought grief was very differently before that time period, during that time period, and now after that time period. So I'm in now in the after, and I watch all these people, usually very well-meaning white people, right? Like, let's just put it out there. Usually very well-meaning white people saying, you got to grieve your ghosts, you got to grieve your ancestors, grief, 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 grief. Mm -hmm. and and i'm not saying that that's wrong i'm saying that on the other side of this period of time that i mentioned i'm a little bit like oh this is what this is something this this is different and i want to get into that a bit with you like your own journey with this spirit we call grief and how it might have changed because i want to come to a kind of better narrative around what this spirit might actually be, not just the human-centered narrative that we sort of see on the socials, you know, grief, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just curious about unpacking this a little bit more, like what has been and what is your current relationality with this force that we are now just saying grief? Yeah. All right, thank you. Um, all right. I'm going to do something that I forgot to do a few minutes ago that feels like it's somehow connected to this. Great. And then, okay. Uh, this is my first podcast. And um, like you, I've watched a ton of mostly well-meaning white people over the years. And one of the things I thought was I'm hearing, I'm hearing the people talking about stuff all the time. That, that's what they're doing. And then I thought, well, how might we or anybody um, uh, be, be aware of um, practicing what we're talking about yeah. at the same time we're kind of um, advertising it yeah. as such? So that being said, um, very simply, um, I'd like to just take a moment to acknowledge my old ones and my ancestors, just to just to say 
um, uh, Shmuel, Edis, Shandel, Hyman, and the lineages of Silverstein, Levin, Goldstein, Zeitschik. Um, thank you for living your lives such that I get to be here in this whacked out place in the year 2022, although theirs was no less. Um, they ran from that place and washed up on the shores of this place. So thank you. Um, you know, you, you, you are still, you are with me and with us and um, I wouldn't be here without you and I'm not here without you. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I just, uh, you know, when, when I hear you do that and when I hear you say and speak to those beings directly, I can, you know, there's a taste that arrives on my tongue that is interesting, right? There is mm -hmm. a kind of taste or a quality, a, a, a salivary quality of actually speaking to another, right? And not just me and you here, but speaking beyond a veil that actually can be spoken through. And yet the sensation that comes back to me is some kind of coating on my own tongue, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I just want to sort of name that as like one of the signal markers of like, oh, um, thank you to those beings and yes, and all of that, right? Like uh, words, words can only do such partial justice to the lived complexity of our ancestors. And I think that that's part of my sort of combative or playful problem with such solution-based definitions and narratives of so-called grief, right? Like it's about solving something. And it's like, how do you solve a redwood forest? You know what I mean? Like, what is that? How do you solve an ocean? Like, uh, there's that's not the quite the right um, approach. But I, but I noticed the playfulness of even entering into this kind of, you know, banter with the old ones. Right? Well, I'll just give you a real quick anecdote along those lines. I, I traveled to Ukraine after doing some research and the shtetls in Ukraine is where my family um, lived, where the Jews were basically in, you know, kind of semi-ghetto, um, play, confined places, but they lived there and they were citizens. Anyway, I found myself in Kiev about four years ago in some Airbnb. Um, the next morning I was going to be traveling like five hours to one of these villages and I felt lost overwhelmed. I have some health challenges. I didn't speak Ukrainian. I hadn't contracted a guide. It was like that, which when I was 22 was really cool. A little older. I don't know. It's just it feels a little more fraught. So anyway, I was in bed. I was trying to get to sleep. I was tossing and turning. And I finally said, um, and I think this is a bit of a, a flavoring in the Jewish culture as well as other cultures. There is that very direct um, you know, no, no, um, no idols in a way. It's just like, okay. So I, I sort of asked, however I did. So help me here. Um, what help me bring me peace and stability and all that stuff just in that way. And all I heard was because I had brought these, um, packets of borscht, which is, and I was planning to, and I had told them, I'm going to find your, I'm going to find the Jewish cemetery and I'm going to go and I'm going to, going to offer you nourishment. So when I was in that kind of fraught place that night in Kiev, all I heard was, you said you were going to bring us a borscht, do it. That was it. 
And I was like, it totally settled me down. I was right. like, oh, right. That's what I said I was going to do. I, I can do that. And that was it. And I was fine from then on in. So anyway. Yeah. 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 You know? I, yeah. The thing that resonates with me, um, especially in terms of ancestral practice, because, you know, I've had my own path through varying approaches to this thing that we're calling ancestral relationship. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I recognized in the direct relating, which which is which I kind of had to learn the hard way, which is fine, but is this directness and there's a kind of pragmatism. There's a kind of pragmatism to the ancestors um, when you let go of some of your need for them to be perfect, right? And the need for them to be like heroes, villains, and victims, right? This drama triangle thing that we project onto everyone, including ourselves. And what I sort of was fascinated by is that the more I do this, the more boring it becomes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think a lot of people really want the drama of the so-called healing and they conflate the healing with the dramatic intensity. But what you and I, I think, are saying is like the simple, direct, pragmatic relationality is is both. Well, one, it's it's less exhausting, you know, it's just less <laughs> exhausting. Um, and, you know, for those of us who, who do struggle with chronic illness and other things like we need we need things that work that don't require us to be superheroes. It's true. You know, it's very real that like a lot of so-called you know, healing narratives involve a kind of ableist kind of rhetoric in which like, it's all about creating these high stakes, dramatic uh, situations. So I'm just happy to sort of understand you a little bit more of like, this part of your ancestors coming through you of this directness, this simplicity, nourishment, and in, in that you were in an unknown place and there was stress in that situation being in an unknown, you know, place, not speaking a language, which I'm sure most of our ancestors also experienced, right? Like I'm in a new place and I'm alive and I'm grateful, but I don't necessarily know how to have as much fluency with everything as I would, would like, right? Of course. Um, and I think that's also applicable to what we, the living, in 2022 are dealing with spiritually and ecologically is that we are hell, like we don't have the fluency we would like to have, right? Mm -hmm. And so getting back to this idea of grief practice as the art form that you are currently engaged in, mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's so many, so many ways and places to enter the water. Um, and, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll say this, that, um, when I, when I'm writing my emails and, and so forth, and I'm speaking of, of this work, uh, I always, um, capitalize the word grief. It's with a lot, it's with a, a large G, a capital G. And I wasn't quite clear about why that was happening. Um, so I thought about it a little bit. And what's come to me is that I'm about to say something that 
that that's going to need to be unpacked because it's one of those things that doesn't have a place in in our times and culture but is that grief is a deity okay that's why i've been capitalizing it so then the natural follow-up is what do you mean by deity yeah totally <laughs> yeah and again i i will say and this is probably going to get tiresome um if on a scale of one to a hundred, as far as knowing what a deity is, I'm maybe like at a, an eight or 9%. Okay. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm coming from. So most of this is guesswork. Good. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, something like everything in this world has a certain place and a certain placement and that was probably so long, 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 long before human beings appeared on the scene, like for millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of years. And it seemed like things were working pretty well here without us, as far as life generation and life, all that, and all the colors and all the, the, the vitality and all that stuff, you know, with occasional enormous disruptions by geology and then you know, it kind of rebooted itself. Okay, so that being said, it seems to me that in this, this, this cauldron of life that we call Earth, there are certain kind of bigger, um, what do you, what? Laws, rules, ways of governance, maybe? That organizing some, principles. Organizing principles, whatever. Yeah. that that are way older and 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 far more powerful than than our kind um and as much as we often like to think otherwise we don't have much of a say in the situation okay so that being said to me that's partly what is the deity realm there's these um you know entities yeah that that are connected intimately to certain aspects of these organizing principles. And so the capitalization, it's almost like respect, isn't it? And, and acknowledgement a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. like tip of the hat. Okay. So the, the grief entity, guy, girl, them, person, whatever, is kind of like, okay, here, this is my territory. And this is how it works, life beings on earth. You know, when you experience something akin to the missing of who and what you love and have loved, and those beings somehow disappear, um, that's where I come in. Like you kind of, you don't even have to call on me, but you can, and then I do my thing. And it kind of plays this part in the ongoing animism of things. That, that like, that's the setup. And even if we say, but wait a second, the deities are like, yeah, sorry, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. yeah, like that. So, <laughs> yeah, that being said, then the wondering kicks in around for me and, and what I'd like to invite other people in is on the one hand, the kind of macro wondering towards this deity of grief. And on the other hand, the kind of on the ground understanding that so much of who and what we love has disappeared and is disappearing. 
all the time, every day, you know, and has been for years and is only kind of accelerating with this upward curve, you know, in, in these times. Yeah. And for anybody who wants to know that, you know, they know that, yeah. obviously. And so if that's the case, and I'll just speak for myself, I don't seem to be um, um, inviting and attending to this deity-based process. There's a big disconnect somewhere. Somewhere there's a disconnect. And again, I don't probably have a say in whether or not there's a disconnect, but perhaps we can wonder and then begin to, um, you know, approach the situation even. I mean, that's how, that's how impoverished things are for the most part in my view. We, we, we haven't even begun because we don't know how. It's our, our ancestors forgot. It's been for hundreds and thousands of years probably we haven't even begun to approach really. And, and my guess is a lot of practitioners who are drawn to this sort of animistic um, approach are, are doing their best to, to even begin to like pay attention to that really um, difficult um, situation. Totally. And so, in, 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 for me, it was like, okay, what does it look like to begin to even wonder toward what an individual and a cultural um, inclusion of grief might look like as a practice or even as a skill right. in a certain sense? Right. So, kind of, well, I mean, you could say courtship, relationship, but uh, it's like a participatory relationship with a big weather like capital B, capital W. Yes. You know, exactly. And, um, you know, my particular practice that I call, you know, I have a version of this and I call it death practice and it's capitalized, yeah. right? <laughs> In the same way that it's like death is not merely a verb or some kind of noun that predicates a verb, which is mm -hmm. like a thing about neatly ending something that began mm -hmm. once, right? So there's this kind of, um, you have to break open the narrative of linearity a bit in order to say, well, death is happening. Death is here all the time. Whether we pay attention and participate with death, that's a different story. That's a different story. But one that I have found has been sort of the grace of my life, having been someone who has somehow managed to survive diseases and you know, drowning and weird things where I'm like, I really don't have any particular right to be here. I wasn't particularly a great person or anything, but, but what I'm saying is that on the other end of those death, near death or close to death experiences and the, the wave of experience that comes afterwards, which includes grief, right? Because it's like, it's like death has a caravan and grief is like, you know, grief is one of the like charioteers or something, you know, it's very, or, or death is like the trombone player or something, you know, like grief is, grief is playing the cymbals or something, right? It's like, there is a cavalcade of these big weather spirits that sort of ride together, right? 
they ride, you know, they ride along all over the, the hills and meadows together. And we usually like to avoid them, you know, like they're coming into town, um, doing disrupting things. They're coming into town, like kicking things over and ending things, right? They're, they're not necessarily what our polite society deems a welcome guest. Right. The phrase just came to me as you were talking. They're topplers. They topple things. Yeah, they they're like yeah. little kids. They're like little kids <laughs> running through, you know, they're knocking down their the their you know, the sandcastles. They're like, whatever. Um and I I recognize in myself, you know, the if I look at things playfully, they become playful. If I mm. look at things dreadfully, they become dreadful. Mm. Mm. And I only learned that the hard way, right? I only learned that by avoiding this force or this spirit and its caravan long mm -hmm. enough so that I could recognize that all of my options in the avoidant category were actually not functional, right? right. Like I had exhausted my own bag of tricks. That's right. So then I had to go, well, as I'm smart enough to recognize there's, okay, so there's another bag of tricks, which is not trying to solve or avoid um, these big things that cause intense feelings. And then what does that mean to go into that over and over and over again as a kind of dedication practice, like a devotional practice, just like Eastern traditions have a devotional practice to the deity? It's not merely like, don't hurt me, you know, it's not like praying so you don't get shocked by a lightning bolt, but it's actually like, I am trying to fall in love with you and I don't understand you. Yeah. And then yeah. taking that model and turning it towards death is, has been what I talk about. But I could very easily see that death just wears a different mask for you or a different face for you. And for someone else, it might wear the face of rage, for instance, right? Because alongside, you know, death comes grief and rage and all sorts of other pain, fear, hunger, you know, there's these big weather patterns, right? And so I try to sort of, you know, tip my hat to those beings because there's no, there's no place in my life where those beings aren't always doing their thing right and and once you recognize that there's no place free from them you can actually become free in your relationship to them because you realize it's like trying to escape breathing or something you know yeah i mean part of what i i i like long to be able to transmit in a skillful way um is like so like what you just said there's so much um to coin a phrase good news <laughs> in the sense it's like for me at least i'm like there's this huge burden lifted off me because they're like oh i don't have to try to do all that stuff that's like being taken care of i just kind of need to learn to attend to it but i don't need to be the 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 the, the generator of it you know um and and the and dot 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 like this stuff really works like it worked before we were here for for <laughs> for 
you know, hundreds of millions of years. So, so maybe, you know, like that, just right. like, right. whoa. Um, um, it's, there's this unexpected sense of relief um, yes. for me, you know, like, okay. And that's what I think I was trying to express with the word place and placement. Okay. It's like, the world is the world with all these entities, the billions and trillions of different sizes and powers and interactions, you know, orchestra, whatever, all that. And we, we, I'll say we, I usually mean human beings. Um, these were a certain species with certain, you know, capacities and limitations and all the rest. We have a place in that. Yes. I mean, that's to me, it's like, we have a home there here. Yeah. And maybe, perhaps one of our capacities, maybe a capacity maybe that sets us apart from every other being on this planet, I don't know, is that we have the, the, the capacity to forget that. We have the capacity to take on the guise of deities or whatever, and to try to start making all the rules, the big rules. Yeah. And ironically, maybe that has serves the the purpose to exile us self-exile us yeah. from our sense of place and of home and for me that's kind of what boils down to it's like damn show me the practices where where we can start to you know come back to to our our, our knowing that mm -hmm. that you know we have a place that we belong here totally and then in fact if if we can remember that, maybe all the other beings will, you know, say something like, oh, well, look, some of the humans are, are acting a little less, um, you know, like assholes. I might want to cozy up to them again a little bit. Anyway, right. yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, I um, like I have, you know, I have these really complicated dreams at night and um, sometimes they really like are about things that i'm about to talk about or about to do you know like sometimes mm -hmm. my, the inner relationality and the, and the outer relationality use my dreams to like play you know they you they, and 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 i remember you know there's this thing about like putting on masks and taking off masks and akin to the metaphor of remembering and forgetting right it's like we have a capacity to forget which allows us the sweetness and regret of remembering because it's a double-edged sword it's like oh i'm so grateful i remembered and now i'm like have to make amends for forgetting and it's like a real <laughs> it's a real mixed bag of like i thank you i really feel like something was missing and it's been put back in it in, inside of me and i can really feel it but in that feeling, I also now have increased responsibility and, and knowledge of my own stupidity, right? It's like very, yeah, yeah. it's a very mixed bag. And I can definitely see why some people aren't really interested in that kind of <laughs> meal because it's not like, it's not like just the dessert. It's like a whole bunch of sense. Like, right. Well, exactly. so I, um, I remember in my dream, a bunch of things were happening in some underground lair some kind of catacombic place somewhere in, in, in history dream world. And I remember um, in one of these scenes, some person, some, some one of the hundreds of characters that was in this particular dream 
it was they, like they were just fucking gone as in like go like gone like not and and i don't know if it was death or not it didn't matter it was just go like a kind of goneness a kind of the death of a, of a of an identity or something and just gone and before anyone could even start to talk about it or explain or like you know even just you know comprehend it with with words in a certain kind of linguistic sense about four or five other characters immediately broke into some kind of like irish sea shanty dedication to this being yeah like as in like spontaneous yet perfectly versed like like sonic architecture of encompassing everything that i just talked about and more yes like that being's existence and their non-existence in a way that was not conceptual and absolutely had nothing to do with like solving anything yeah, yeah. but it was like they just and, and and i and it was so powerful and of course in my dream i was like oh my god this song is amazing i wish i could write it down and of course mm -hmm. that's not the way it works but the point being is that some ancestral forces deep inside actually know that that's how it works. Yeah. Like there was a bunch of people who just, they caught the, they caught the spirit and they just started doing like crazy acapella yelling, but it was singing, you know, singing, yelling. And that carried the narrative into the next transition of whatever it was supposed to be. And I, I and then my dream, went on to some part, other part of the dream. But looking back on it in, you know, this morning and today, it's like, that to me is like, it's so, that again, it's direct, it's practical, and in some ways it's very simple. But it required those beings to practice because I know that I would need to practice if I was just going to spontaneously like scream sing when someone died and I didn't even know them or maybe I did know them, but they were just part of my village or something, you know? Um, so, you know, it's, it's these kinds of, they're miracles, really. It's a miraculous capacity to be able to sort of remember these things that some of our ancestors practiced remembering. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just want to put that in there because it's like, there is something about these big weather patterns that sometimes the only way I can practice is to like just shake and move and like make noise. Um, yeah, so I'm just, you know, take that and run with it or whatever you want to do. But like, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, well, it's beautiful, really. I mean, I'm glad to have lived long enough to be in a time when there's more than like, seven people on the planet that are doing and experiencing the kind of things you just described. I mean, there aren't 7 billion, but there's more than seven. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, so yeah, there's so much in what you just said. I mean, could, but okay. One of the things that's just occurring in the moment. So there's a, I live in Corvallis, Oregon which is a mid-sized town, about 60,000 people. And where I live, um, about a half a mile away, about eight minute walk, there's this lake, this little lake. In the summer, it's a puddle. 
and right now it's a home for ducks and geese and it's really it about 200 times the size of what it is in the summer because of the rains okay so before i was um gonna gonna what 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 verb do we use facilitate uh, my first grief grief group i don't know i don't like to use teach because but okay i'll just say facilitate um I went there and wondered what I was going to do because I'd never done it before. Now I had read Stephen Jenkinson and Martin Prechtel and Robin Wall Kimmer. I had read this, the stable of people, but still, right? Okay. So I would go by the lake and I would wonder, I would just be there and I would do my best as this absolute beginner that I am, you know, um, to say, Hey, um, any help here is appreciated. You know, something like this. Mm -hmm. um, whether it be the lake, the water, some old ones wandering by, because I just, you know, laid out the chicken bone broth, which I do um, <laughs> in, during the day. And they were like, oh, that was good here. You know, why don't you try this? So anyway, that was going on. And I was thinking about it, grief work, right? Because like you said, grief, capital G, you know, we think of, you know, you know, howling winds of, of, of catharsis and of, you know, that kind of, um, volume, right? So I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, how do you get your way into that? And those kinds of things. And then what came to me just at that moment, what occurred, the thought was, you know, grief work, something that powerful, it takes a certain amount of chi. Um, I've experienced that with my physical healing. It wasn't until I recovered enough that I could feel some of the grief of what I went through because I was just too exhausted. Okay. So that, so I'm like, this is, and to have chi, you know, we need nourishment. And right then I was like, wow, I have next to no idea what this place is about, where I live, you know. Now it just so happens I moved here four years ago to Corvallis, but I think the same could be said anywhere I've lived. And I'm guessing the same could be said by most people in North America about where they live, even if they live there most of their lives. It's like, okay, I want to do grief work. We want to do grief work, but how malnourished are we right now? How <laughs> malnourished am I right now? Yeah. You know, what, what, you know, do I want to put on the Superman cape and then, you know, you know, do that kind of, and I was like, whoa, you know, we've got to start at such scratch levels here. Like that, that basic nurturance, speaking of bone broth, like, you know, um, I, I've got to just begin to, I don't even say court yet. Court is like two or three levels up. It's like to attend to, to wonder toward this place that's been alive for, you know, hundreds of millions of years and tens of millions with mammals and reptiles and birds and 20 to 30,000 with human beings who lived here, you know? And so that's what we do in the beginning um, in our grief groups is there are certain assignments or place assignments or however to begin to study first, really literally who lived here, you know, um, 5,000 years ago, 500 years ago, 50 years ago, who still lives here? What happened to them? What were their interactions like, you know? Um, and perhaps find a place in the radius around you that might 
call to you that might bring you into a deeper contemplation and attend to it, begin to attend to it. Like, and maybe, maybe in two or three years, you'll have begun this, this, you know, this practice in, in some sort of way. And like you were saying about, it's not all sweetness you're inviting people to. There's all sorts of tangs to it. Another part of that is, well, when can we, when, when will it be done? When, when, like, how long does this take? How, you know, it's like, you know, you shouldn't ask that. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like, don't, don't, don't worry about that. If you're worrying about it, you're not going to like the answer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Something like this. Right. So, you know, on the one hand, it's a little been a little shocking. Like, wow, are we, are, is this person, are these people who have prided ourselves on knowing so very much all our lives to be broken down to this, such a basic level and right. and um I, I there's still a part of me that tries to figure out an alternative to saying yes to that but it doesn't <laughs> seem to hold much water <laughs> which you know kind of really sucks for part of me totally and it, sucks, and it sucks for marketing big time oh my god yes <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. <laughs> it's like sort of the opposite of self-improvement in a way because there is no self to improve <laughs> You know, there's a bit of the like breaking down of the like, like one could say that Westerners have a very a lot of knowledge about a little bit. It's like there's a lot of data in like one tiny grain of, of sand over here. Yeah. But when you ask about knowing, you know, and, and I'm not saying I'm any different. I'm saying that the poverty of our times is to reckon with the fact that we don't fucking know shit that we should probably know about our relations, right? Like like the land that we're on, our ancestors and their practices, how we, like how we funeralize people, you know, like how we help people transition from one incarnation to the next, which is like something the Tibetans like have down pat, you know, like they're just like so good at it. But like over here in the West, we're like, uh, you know, cremation or, or burial, you know, it's very, it's so small of a, of a, like our, the poverty of imagination is so small, right? Like the, the way, like we can't even imagine a good death most of the time. So we can't even imagine like what is beyond our constant sense of losing things, right? So grief on some level has to go through these phases, which is like, first you grieve because you still believe you're an individual. And so you have all of these griefs about losing things as an individual, you know, like whatever. But then eventually there comes this breaking of the capsule of the individual. And then grief becomes like a technicolor, psychedelic, ongoing, never ending, always has been here. Why didn't work? Why wasn't I paying attention to it? It was always happening kind of, you know, smorgasbord of energy systems, right? And I think that, you know, for me, and, and I talked about, you know, pre like repressing it, then floodgates opened and now I'm sort of over here. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more about this like electrical quality to it, like the grief as like, you know, we can talk about things like ecological crisis or climate 
change or the sixth extinction, right? Like we can say those things as concepts, mm -hmm. but the actual sensing into that is like an electrical storm of things that I can't really describe and don't even want to waste my chi describing because there's something about the elect the the quality of like just being in the storm right mm -hmm. like the ionic atmosphere when you're in the thunderstorm like there's a quality of like being in in that place and time of the surging deities right around you that i think is is something that really makes me get to that place where i could maybe say that's starting to be grief practice right it's like there's something about not solving not trying to get past it not trying to understand it so much but actually really just like like being in it and really realizing how freaking puny i am in the in the grand scheme of it right like i can't really shift it like we, there's like when you talk about things like leverage and shifting culture it's like i don't really feel it you know in that space because there's something about you know the natural quality of it that is too much for those small control mechanisms to even get a handle on you know yeah exactly and that's what i've been wondering a lot for myself and then playing a part um you know, in, in beginning to develop this, these curricula, you know, yeah. um, so to speak. Um, and to me, that's another using words like that or another way of pragmatizing it. It's like, oh, it's you don't have to like go on some fortuitous acid trip or, or whatever. It's like, this is stuff, man. This is this is just, you know, this is life. And this is these are practices in life. And we can learn them. Now, that being said, it would probably be a little easier going if we learn them, if we were part of a kind of intact, initiated community with elders who kind of had been weathered through their, you know, um, their uh, credibility so that they've truly earned the trust and that like this village or band has been around for 800 years and there are as many animals and trees as there were, all that. That would be, then you want to, you know, you want to say, oh, wow, these, these, these skills are, are learnable and everybody around you goes, yeah, they're learnable. Well, that's what we do here. That's not us. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. you know, that's not now. <laughs> and so my sense is that um, somehow in some way, and, and you know, maybe if we were able to really pull back the lens a little, some of these awarenesses are beginning to arise, not like as you referenced with the capital W workshop, go get it in a weekend or whatever kind of thing, but more of that kind of, um, just like, you know, it's that like kind of nod. There's a little bit of, of fear in the nod. There's a little bit of, of like overwhelm and, and all that. And there's longing, hopefully that's what, that's what brings us here, you know, but at the same time to hmm, we're, we're not nourished for the most part in those ways that that theoretical person would. So how, how, oh, and then, and then, and then we live in a culture that 
is 99.5% mitigating against not only engaging in some of these practices, but even more challenging, explaining it to your friends. Like, <laughs> so, so you know what I mean? It's like your social thing. So what are you doing? Oh, you know, death clown practice. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not the most encouraging environment. Right. Um, and then, sorry to keep, and then <laughs> to engage in them and then take the, the outs that are afforded in the kind of alternative community of mastering it and explaining it to everybody else, right. giving workshops about it, um, you know, and tying it into, you know, a feel goody enterprise. Yeah. There's, so there's all these ways to yeah. either never engage or to say, you know what, this is too slow. It's, I don't even know what the hell we're doing here. So I'm going to go, you know, uh, study, you know, ayahuasca yoga or, I yeah, mean, totally. or, or, or business finances or whatever. Yeah, well, they, yeah. Something yeah. that I can measure and have that has neat beginnings and endings, you know, and be rewarded for yeah, socially and all of it. And it's, and it's reward that I want. <laughs> yeah. And recognized, forget rewarded, even recognized. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Right, Ooh, you're, that feels good. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah. totally. And yeah. you know, that's the. I mean, and you brought up Death Clown because it's like, that is this is the Death Clown show. Like all that you just mentioned is like the, it's a freaking, it's like a very dark carnival. You know, it's like oh, this <laughs> is, you you realize this is like a tragic comedy, right? This is dark satire. You know, like. And people are like, no, this is this is good, and it's like, no, the the fact that you think it's great is the dark sat like you it's like eats itself, you know, it eats itself, yeah. and you know, yeah. some of us have that like kind of gallows humor where, I don't know what it is, you know, maybe it's growing up poor or having a high ACEs score, or maybe it's like having chronic illness or whatever, I don't know, but some people always are a little bit punk rock about it, right, and they understand something about, they understand something about being with like the heartache in a way that produces art not just sadness right like there's something about like being with the longing or the unrequited feeling or the regret or the like bad bad ideas that we thought were great when we were 15 you know there's something about some of us some humans that can that have a kind of eye for that the artistic quality the creative impulse that grief presents us with right it's like and instead of just lamenting not to say that lamenting as an art form is not the thing i'm talking about but it's like that's the difference it's like you take the solipsistic sadness right like you take the like i'm sad because i lost something i wanted to keep right like that's okay sure everyone knows that children go through that all the time you know I lost the teddy bear I wanted to have forever. Yes, I know. <laughs> this is practice, <laughs> you know. But getting to the place where we can transform or allow ourselves to be transformed by that quality, and then maybe we write a song about it or we stage a, a banquet or, you know, we do something that actually requires us to get our hands a little dirty, right, and to actually create something out of our pain right 
and not necessarily to solve the pain because that's not the right thing, right? Like that, like that's that's anathema to the creative impulse. I want to draw the picture so that I can destroy the feeling of like whatever I'm having. It's like what that doesn't make any sense. The point just being that like learning to sit in that kind of humid air that you don't maybe feel super comfortable in, right? Like you don't put on the air conditioner though. Mm -hmm. And actually there's this what is this what is this force like pushing me towards or or trying to get me to help out with? Right? And that could be an art project that could be writing a sad song, you know, plenty of people channel this through music, right? It's totally great. But I'm just thinking about sort of like, because it's not about mastery, it can't be but but there can be some skillfulness in the transmutation of the pain that we feel that we might call grief, right? The pain that we call grief, and the sort of memorialization of that which we think that we have lost like turning turning our pain of loss into sort of like this you know this artistic beauty this aesthetic you know to actually beautify the environment with the sort of memories of that which we are losing right like this is the and to me in that way are we really losing anything if we actually truly embrace that right like if we truly embrace the like art as funeral, funeral as art, you know? And we really aren't trying to solve anything because we're really kind of like, what the fuck, you know, like what is there to solve? I'm just relating here. Um, and getting to that point where we're not so maudlin or depressed about death and grief anymore. Yeah. Right. Like I want, I, you know, and, and I'm not sure that we're there yet because like, like you and I know there's a few of us who can get hat jazzed about what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're actually in the pain, but we're actually quite kind of pleased with the, like, I don't know, the kind of like dancing with the devil in it. You know, there's a kind of joy to that wrestling match. The struggle is kind of like really a spiritual, um, like libation, you know, like that feeling. And I I want the culture to be there, you know, like I want the culture to be like struggling together is like a libation for the spirits. Yeah. And I, I, you bring some, you bring something up. I was telling somebody this story about 10 years ago, I got into a conversation and got very, very inspired about the idea of grief and grief tribe. That's looking where there's a grief, we can form grief tribes and, you know, externalize, show it, like get teardrops or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So, so I wrote to all my friends, all my acquaintances, really excited. You're waiting for the affirmational responses to pour in about working with grief, not one single one. It was like at least a couple of people said, I don't know how exciting grief is. I don't, that doesn't inspire me. That was, I don't know how much that inspires me. So I, I kind of, but you know how those things, they, they, they go subterranean for a while and then maybe, you know. So, so you know, how can, uh, there, there, I feel like there's an elephant in the room when I'm, well, almost all the time. So here's the, here's as best I can say. So you and I are talking right now in January 12th or whatever it is, 2022. 
And, you know, I'm in this comfortable, you know, middle-classy setting. You are, you're certainly got something going on for you materially, whatever it might be. So there's that. And I think it's probably pretty much impossible to escape the cushioning that comfort gives. It's just, we're creatures. So that's how that goes. Okay. That being said, so we're talking about these things and hopefully with some capacity, you know, others will be the judge of that to an extent, but, but the elephant for me is like, if we're on a roller, a collective roller coaster, you know, it's like, and that's where we are, you know, as, as, as a, as a species and as a world, because the world is subject to our, our proclivities, you know, what we do. So like, so <laughs> this is weird to me. Like we, we, are, we act normal partly because we're still comfortable, I would say. <laughs> yeah, totally. But also partly because, you know, you try to talk to people about this in my experience. I wrote about climate change for like seven years. It, it, it's, you know, you're quickly the person alone in the corner of the room. And, and so, you know, this, all these work, these practices we're speaking of, my guess is it's not unlikely that the conditions that make themselves obviously needed are going to be, you know, increasingly evident over maybe 20 or 30 years or 10 or five, I don't know, you know, obviously the time frame. So here we are discussing these things and most people in the world can rightfully say, what are you guys talking about all this stuff for? Like, you know, Right. Well, what's up with that? We there, there's some stuff, but you know, like that. Right, right, right. So for for me, it's like okay, the people who are all jazzed in that kind of you know devil dancing way are 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 there already, and they will be. But then, how do or not even how do is it a thing or how is it a thing to somehow do what you know like to try to um, kind of spread the word about this stuff because the setting of this stuff is partly ideally, you know, the shit's raining from the sky. So, but it's not really obviously to most people quite yet. So I don't know, it leaves me a little stumped and the best I can figure out is to somehow try to get across like, this stuff is good anytime. Like, <laughs> like, you know, this is not only a Mad Max kind of situation, right, right, right. you know? And so like with grief work, for instance, like one of the things, a couple of the people I've learned from Stephen Jenkins and Martin Krechtel is that grief well practiced brings us to our alertness, you know? And I've experienced that. Like I'll go, I'll, I'll have done some grief practice as awkwardly as I can. And the first thing that occurred to me after I did it for a little while, I mean, I literally went in the back and shook my body and did the best I could do to kind of semi-simulate grief was, um, I'm sorry and I miss you. And that was to the hawks and the mostly 
to animals. That's kind of yeah. seems to be my thing. Yeah. And obviously part of me was in touch with that, but I was alert to it mm-hmm. after I had practiced the grief. Right. It was like, it was just simply an alive part of the situation. Totally. And for me, I'm like, that's the gold, man. Yeah. So it's like, that's why I want to practice grief. And I would love to do with other human beings and then have little communities practicing grief totally. to become alert. And for activists, that's great. If activism is your thing, it's like, is, you know, who wouldn't want to be clear thinking and alert both with your heart and your spirit and your mind and all those catchphrases to then go out and, you know, kind of act in this kind of, you know, totally. warrior, samurai, whatever kind of way. Yeah. And so that's what I'm attempting to do is say, listen, this is, this is, this is like, bottled animism man yeah this is like, <laughs> totally. you know, right yeah something right. like that anyway right. yeah well yeah i mean you know it's true that there's the alertness and the attentiveness it's like uh you know in like dogchen and, and and various non-dual traditions they talk about sort of like the clear light of awareness that has never been destroyed or can never be broken it's because there is that sort of in that place of like like i mentioned that like electrical storm quality of grief that is like once you move past the like fear of losing something of the the Mm. small self and you can kind of go fuck man this is wild shit you know like this is like tectonic geologic cosmic what is like this is wild man like you know and, and some of that is like absolutely Oh, I contribute to the ocean being polluted with plastic. I mm-hmm. contribute to that. Therefore, I cannot separate myself from the responsibility that comes from saying that I miss the thing that I helped destroy. Right? Like there's a real like paradoxical beautiful contradiction which again, I think makes the best kind of art because it's like art is about like 20 years later coming to terms with something you took needed 20 years to deal with right it's like and then you then you paint a picture about it but you that picture was 20 years in the making you know it's like that you had no cognitive say in that thing you know and i think about this in terms of like something that brings me always back to the present moment which is this alertness quality of like um and I think it it's helpful to think of ritual because ritual is an event that is in a specific place and time um, with specific parameters or conditions or situations, right? So specifics matter. It's not just vague, like climate change is very vague, but saying something like the last red panda has died is not vague, right? It's like very right. like, there was a moment when the last rhinoceros fucking dies, right? It's like, and even as I say it, I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the spirit of that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, and I guess what I'm, you know, getting to or trying to work through and around is, is always a funeral somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what that means to me is like, when you can behave in that kind of way that, is like what you see sometimes at funerals 
especially indigenous or black kind of places, right? Where someone is like doing the ritual reading, like somebody's reading a poem, and then suddenly a wave of, of spirit comes over people and there is spontaneous shrieking, wailing, shaking, falling down, choking. And to me, it's like that capacity is always available. Because if I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's always a funeral somewhere, there's more than one, obviously, but the reality of like that person is dead or that person got murdered or this tribe is trying to escape genocide or these these immigrants that's the last immigrant and they had to leave their home right like there are places in the world where people have lived for thousands of years then suddenly they have to fucking all leave right and people die on the way out and it's like whoa that's fucking intense um all of those are cause for funerals like all of those are funerals like all of those is like the real the thing the real thing and there is something about the alertness that comes from actually being in that moment like the honoring of that moment which is what a funeral is the funeral is like the honoring of this very weird moment you know right. like it's like what the fuck is going on you know and we're all here because all of us are like fuck what the fuck is going on and we're herding together we're flocking together to communally digest this this really intense moment of of confusion and all sorts of intensity right and so this kind of funerary alertness i guess we could say right mm -hmm. this funerary alertness where if we can do that a little bit every day you know or like once a week i don't fucking care like whatever just really go outside and fucking be part of the funeral that's happening right now just go talk to the tree and please be like, bear witness to this. I'm going to try to say a few words for all those we have lost. Well, I don't even fucking know. There's like, how many people died from COVID? You have a lot of choices here. Yeah, and, and I, want to, I want to interject there. Like, there's part of me that can be kind of like a, a little bit of a, I don't know, enthusiastic hard ass in a way. Yeah. But then, then there's part of me that's like, like you were saying, it's one thing to live in a time and place, I suppose, where these things you're talking about are kind of taken care of on a maintenance level, right? And like, so it's, it's kind of attended to along the way. But man, how, how much has accrued yeah. of what you're saying that has been unattended to? You can't even, right? I mean, you, you can't it's even. It's unfathomable. And so to kind of, you know, cut ourselves a little break at the same time. Like, man, you know, this, oh God, I don't know if there's a bigger overused thing than the red pill, blue pill thing. So, yeah. so I won't use it, but, yeah. but it's like, yeah, if you're gonna, if we are gonna step into this, um, you know, um, we're, the best we can do is the best we can do. Like, and, and and maybe maybe it will 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 kind of kickstart something that in you know a hundred years or 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 whatever has accrued in its own right and and some things can get back to some kind of maintenance level and okay. so yeah 
to somehow begin to break it down so we just don't get completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and of course, the solution solving and the kind of big catharsis mitigate against that also, because you can't solve this right. and you can't cathart all of it. You no. can't. Like if you cathart it, you will explode and die. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Like it's too it's much. Like you'll get a good a good one point three seconds of that level of cathartic, and then yeah, you know, so then it's like see you later. Thank you for your service. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's very interesting too because on one level we have to be sort of like technicians of the mm -hmm. sacred, right? Like there's a bit of like, don't put the fork in the in the socket. You know, like don't do don't do this. Do the like the technician, the technical aspect of it, which is like best practices, not so good practices. Um, you know, cautions and 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 preparations. Right? There's this kind of technical aspect, and then there's this other aspect where like everyone, everyone's um, invited to the party, which yeah. is not really the party you wanted to be invited to. Let's just That's put right. it that way, right? That's right. Um, you know, and, and part of it is also why, you know, I named my podcast Underworld Party, because at a certain point, it's like, you don't want to get that invite in the mail, you know, right. like the RSVP to the, to the, you know, to the Underworld Party. It's like, no, all of us are getting that invite. It's in the mail, right? Like, it's in the fucking mail. Yeah. And when we get it, we're all going to be like, fuck, I knew this was coming, but I really wish it would have taken a little longer. And, yeah. and there is... There is this quality to like, it doesn't matter if you're prepared or unprepared. Right. It doesn't matter if you like it or you hate it. Right. You have some say in those things. That's the, that's the sort of the, the grace is that you have some time to prepare yourself a little bit. But the point being is that like the grace of death or the grace of God who is death or whatever you want to call it is that, um, everyone's invited yes and yes. i think that the, the, to me that also was the great relief when i stopped trying to solve or fight these forces yeah and i recognized that the grace and the wisdom and the mercy was that everyone has to experience this and no one really can totally avoid it like there's a you know the buddhists talk about all this realms of the bardo where like you can kind of avoid it for a thousand years, but it hurts like hell or whatever, you know, and that's fine. But, but the point being is that at the end of that meta story or the, the most meta of that story is that eventually all beings have to accept this like alchemical transmutation that you're saying, you know, grief as a deity comes down and says, it's, it's my job. I'm doing this, whether you want it or not, it's not up to you to tell me I'm the plumber, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I'm the plumber, not you. You don't get, you know, like, don't tell me how to do my job kind of thing. And, and for me, you know, it's a, it's a kind of strange, it's a strange kind of grace to recognize the kind of complete unconditional acceptance that of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's how I personally sort of deal with the ongoing kind of, you know, like you said, there's an accrual, there's an accumulation. We ain't going to get through it. You can only do the best that you can do. And you keep trying to do better and you keep trying to like do it with other people and you do the best you can do. 
and but there's something about the like we we are doing this together whether we think that or not because everyone's invited right well like yeah everyone yeah and like all all good buddhisty things you know all the paradox in that yeah is like to to understand that is to then paradoxically become a much more functional earth being at the same time not functional right. by normal standards but functional by like i'm not engaging in completely normal hyphen insane activities and just calling that a life <laughs> right right absolutely there well, then there's a bit of the it's like it's sacred but it's not religious it's like because everyone's invited and when you enter into that presence of like loss and and grief and praise and all of those forces that we've you know talked for the last hour about mm. the only thing that actually gives you the sense of like participatory relief is this like the sacred way of being that you recognize the inherent sort of like like everyone you meet is on their way out the door and and that brings with it a kind of um i don't even know if kindness is the word i'm just going to use it right now but it does bring a kind of awareness of something where it's like everybody every being you are in contact with is dying yeah. is on their way towards this great crucible you know kind of threshold place and instead of avoiding it i think you know we have these conversations and we we sort of hold each other accountable you know we hold each other accountable to sort of remember that we're we're on our way out the door you know yeah and and it strikes me that what you're speaking of right now gosh it's it so often you know things circle back to our impoverishment for me um this man I studied with Stephen Jenkinson says, um, you know, watch yourself not to um, consider yourself to be in a valley, but it's really a crater. Um, so, you know, there's something about when you speak of we're all dying and death, just death itself, the deity of death, there's a whole cosmos there, right? There's an entire, you know, universe of dying, death and all that. And we were almost completely non-conversant around that amongst so many other things. And so is it, is it um, useful um, and worthy to then begin to try to, first of all, ourselves understand it and then to maybe begin to break it down so we can begin to remember um, in at least pockets of humans? Um, like just for example, um, Martin Prechtel, um, who wrote a few books and, and um, he speaks of, of, of death practice. And one of the culture, he, he is not, but he was living in a Mayan Guatemalan culture for, for about 25 years. And he said in that cosmology, at a funeral, like you were talking, and, and of the grieving, I mean, the outwardly expressed grieving in tears that they consider one of the functions of that grieving to form the to 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 propel the canoe 
that the spirit of the recently departed deaf person was riding to get to the land of his ancestors. Okay, so that's an aspect of that cosmology, right? It's sketched out. It's yeah. not a woo-woo abstract thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. So for me, again, that's another aspect. We already have alertness if we practice grief. Now I'm doing this for somebody else. I'm like playing a part yes. in this greater connected whole. Like, like I'm the gas station tending, putting gas in the car so it can go. Yeah. And again, it it kind of demystifies it a little bit. Right. It's like I got to show up. If I don't show up, I'm not fulfilling this obligation. And at least for me, that, what can I say? It provides a, 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 a kind of blueprint I can step onto about not only being alive, but engaging in practices that contribute to well-being and, and kind of nourishment. Right, right, right. I don't know what else much more there is to earth life. <laughs> yeah, sure. so there, there is the unborn undying thing that you referenced, you know, that, you know, that all the great spiritual practices, but on a, on the pragmatic nitty gritty, I'm alive for 85 years. If I'm lucky, how am I going to spend my time? Totally. And if somebody tells me, well, these practices are going to contribute to the aliveness and well-being, then I'm like, shit, I'm in, man. Right. Um, that's all I need to know. And right. that's, again, part of the, like, these, these practices, so many of them that seem so strange are, in fact, ironically, um, basic, functional, pragmatic, life-providing practices mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of vitality and animism, not totally. in the sense of not done. Yeah, of course. Right. There's that. And, yes. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think we're getting to the end and it's a good end for yeah. this particular part of the conversation. I just want to sort of tie it, you know, together with like, so you did one cohort already. You know, how many people was that? I just want to know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so the way I'm structuring it is there's seven people plus myself. Okay. And we get on Zoom um for at this point an hour and a half for eight mm -hmm. consecutive mondays or tuesdays or whatever and um we have um uh i'm trying to think of another word of than assignment tasks maybe that's a good one tasks. we have tasks to fulfill um all throughout the week and um there's um there's we start always with um a song um somebody brings a song and then we do um, basic uh, breathing and then breathing with some movement and then vocalizations, just very basic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's sort of like body first, mm -hmm. um, you know, body first, movement first, air first, vocals are to at least set some tone yeah. and as little conceptualization as possible. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we spend time together and, you know, um, if at 12, my dream was to become the starting center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies, um, my dream around this now is, first of all, for me to live long enough to enjoy a decent amount of it, and then to form very kind of, um, uh, you know, proto um, nascent um, mm -hmm. pods of human beings who are engaged in these practices in a wondering and kind of um 
you know, like you said, you referenced earlier, some something that that begins to become ordinary. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I shop for my food. I <laughs> yeah. do this. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Right. Something like this. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gonna put in, you know, uh, below the video and below the the podcast, I'll have. Um, some form of contact info for you because I imagine that even if this round is full by the mm -hmm. time people get to listening and then contacting you there might be like a third round or something that happens yeah yeah um, and, yeah. So, yeah thank you I appreciate yeah, I mean that. I mean this is also the thing about trying to create village mindedness in a sort of play in the weird way that we are it's like not everyone can do every job and that's silly to even think of. So we really need enough people doing enough of these things to get it saturated through, you know, a, a culture. And so I'm really, you know, happy to sort of be part of a kind of strange network with you because all of us have different proclivities towards what we're, uh, what we need to do for, for all of this to sort of weave itself together again, right? So... Um, yeah. so I just want to say thank you and blessings and, um, you know, there is something here about like, you know, really feeling all of your relations supporting you doing this work. And so I'm really thankful to both you for saying yes to it, but also for that background hum, <laughs> you know, that is helping you and, um, yeah, I don't know what this this particular conversation, hopefully it brought some, uh, I don't know, some more clarity to people who listen, but also maybe to you, like getting a chance to talk about mm -hmm. this really kind of weird endeavor, you know, like it's a weird endeavor. And yet it is uh, part of being a real, you know, part of a community is trying to trying to meet the absence exactly where the absence is, right? You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's really kind of fun to be in on the kind of vagabond and scoundrel level, you <laughs> yeah, know, when, when, you know, when this stuff is just so, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Somebody will come along to, you know, yeah. make a killing on it. But, but right now, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's something punk rock about it, right? It's like everyone's in there, it's not really, so popular yet that yeah but i like that too i like the vagabond and, and scoundrel level and you just make yeah. we're just making it up as we go along people you know it's like really a little bit like that a little bit like that yeah cool well, well thank you yeah is there anything you'd like to say as a closing let's see um yeah, I, I alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, I, I'm not relatively that young, but I'm really glad to still be alive when this all is picking up a little steam. And um, if you're a lot younger, if you're 15 or 20 or whatever, then come on in um, and we'll do the best we can to um, at least, um, yeah. you know, demonstrate some sort of commitment um, to to this place, so that that you can come be come along also, and then be, you know, powerful and skillful in a way that we can't even imagine yet. Awesome. So, yeah. 
Cool. Well, let's help you get the word out to those young people that might actually, you know, feel the call of this kind of thing, because that's absolutely real that like, <laughs> yeah, we need to have that cross generational talking and, and, yeah. you know, participating. Cool. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you all so much for, um, you know, I'm talking to the viewers now as I do. Well, hey, viewers, <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop the recording now. Stay tuned for more. There's a lot coming this year uh, as as long as I stay healthy. So thank you, David. And you and I will talk again soon. So stopping recording now.